welcome to Build Momentum, where we make PR easy for education organizations. We're so glad you're joining us today. We couldn't be more excited to dive in and help education organizations achieve bigger results with PR. In this podcast, our goal is to make PR easy for nonprofits, startups, research institutes, and schools. You can count on learning how to develop simple, replicable PR strategies and how to execute on those strategies. I'm your host, Sarah Williamson, and I've spent the past 15 years working in public relations where I've been able to understand what works and what doesn't when it comes to PR and how to land results that build your credibility. I will share my tips for success and interview others who have done the same to provide you with a PR framework that you can use within your own organizations. If you're looking to increase brand awareness, to enhance your profile and stand out from the crowd, and you want to learn simple, actionable strategies to do it, you're in the right place. If you haven't already, be sure to check out my latest free guide, how to write a killer case study, even if you don't have data. You can find it at casestudy.swpr-group.com. That's casestudy.swpr-group.com. And we're going to dive a little deeper on the concept of a mission with a margin. Okay. And on today's episode, we have the pleasure of chatting with Tom Stein, He's the chairman and chief client officer at Stein IAS, an award-winning global advertising and marketing agency. So we're so excited to chat about that with Tom. He's the founding partner of the agency who has been a leader and innovator in the B2B marketing for more than 30 years. He's worked with big brands like Oracle, Weight Watchers, and the Discovery Channel, but he's also exceptional at understanding how to convey the heart and soul of an organization through his marketing efforts, and he does it in a way that drives results. Tom, I always love catching up with you. It's so great to have you on the show today. Hello, Sarah. It's great to be here. Um, I love catching up with you as much as you love catching up with me. (laughs) Wonderful. So I think you're going to have some great insights on this topic. Okay, so I shared some of the highlights about you, but what have you been up to most recently? And let's talk more about what you're doing now. Well, uh, the the uh, the very simple answer to that question or that that discussion point is really um, a lot. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like a little too much, but a lot. Um, so, in my role at, at Stein IAS, I'm, I'm um, as you know, I'm I'm very involved with our clients and our senior team. And we work across a number of sectors, so education, education technology, financial services, um, other aspects of technology, healthcare, and so on and so forth. And I'm also very involved in our thought leadership, our media relationships, our relationships with industry bodies, so covering things like how marketing has become, especially given the pandemic, almost entirely digital the growing importance of customer experience um, in in helping brands succeed, differentiate themselves, and so on. Um, taking advantage of all the channels that are available to us, and I know that's something that's uh, near and dear to your heart, Sarah. But earned, owned, and paid channels. Marketing technology is uh, is so pervasive in our world now. So how do you use it to make marketing and communications and PR more effective? And then the changing nature of creative expression. Um, so yeah, uh, yes, I'm busy, but, uh, a little bit more than that. I'm also president of the uh, association of national advertisers in New York, and we're putting our finish, putting the finishing touches on our annual conference on old truths and new truths. And, um, it's, it's such an interesting time in our world 
Sarah, that that um, a lot of the old truths about marketing and about brands and about purpose and about profit um, are being reevaluated in light of the the past eight months of pandemic and you know what uh, which of those old truths are immutable and carry forward and which are the new truths that are emerging that maybe give us a new playbook going forward so those are some of the things uh, I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about um, some of my mission with margin perspectives but uh, I'll, I'll just stop there for right now I love that that's great I can't wait to hear what are the new truths and what's actually going to stick I think we all want to know what's really going to stick after this pandemic It'll be that's for sure well, come come to our conference and you'll find out. Okay, <laughs> sounds great. Okay, so let's get get right into the topic at hand today. I would love for you to describe with to me what you believe mission with a margin actually means. You know, it, it's it's a it's it's such a great area to to dive into, and and um, you know, you, you've you've no doubt heard this before, but um, there's a fairly famous saying that that there is no mission without a margin. And it's interesting in the in the in the broader world of companies and brands, uh, the world that I work in, from an agency perspective, marketing agency perspective. But the the emphasis in this world, this business world, is really around brands shifting their focus so that it's not just on margin, but increasingly on mission and purpose. So it's interesting that commercial brands are are really reevaluating themselves and. They're redefining success and they're redefining growth, not just on the basis of revenue and profit and shareholder value and those kinds of things and metrics, but people, communities, sustainability, the world. Conversely, I believe there needs to be a greater emphasis on margin along with mission for Many companies for nonprofits and for for companies that are um, entering the marketplace as well as more established companies and I think that the whole idea of doing good while generating margin in order to invest in doing greater good and creating a virtuous circle is really um, I think a key to sustain sustainable success in the world and and um, I probably would add to that that I think that losing money or not generating sufficient margin certainly is not a path to fulfilling a mission or providing impact at scale. I love that you said that. And I love the way you explained it. You you articulated that so perfectly. I think it's so important for organizations to understand that just because you have a mission, it doesn't mean you're going to make as great of an impact as if you have a strong margin. I mean, it's okay to make money. I think we need to tell organizations this and ourselves the more money we make, the better we can do and good we can do in the world. It's, you know, I, I'd add to that, Sarah, you know, that, that margin or margin improvement, I'd go so far as to say that it is both ethical and altruistic. So it really helps people within an organization that, that, that is mission driven be better stewards of what's always going to be finite resources. There will never be enough resources. So to, to teach them, um, to, to make it part of the culture, to be better stewards of finite resources, for me, again, that's that's got to be at the heart of sustainable impact. Beautiful. Wow. That's perfect. Thank you, Tom. And have you seen this concept in action in your career? 
Yeah, I, I have um, I, a lot of times, in fact, and you know, probably most profoundly in in um, in, in the realm that you and I um, connected and became professional friends and colleagues, and that's education and education technology. Um, I have a, a, a pretty long uh, track record in, in this world that goes back twenty something years, but you know, um, I was uh, I was an agency leader uh, uh, when our agency had Schoolnet. Um, which was a, 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 a very innovative company in the area of data-driven education um, and very much mission-driven in helping uh, school districts um, improve performance, improve the performance of the kids on high-stakes tests, improving the and, and personalizing learning paths, and really um, helping teachers be more effective and, until it ultimately was sold to Pearson, which is a great big giant company. And the same with school wires. You know, school wires was was all about um, helping school districts and individual schools develop um, websites and uh, digital presence as the world became increasingly digital until it was sold to um, a great big education technology company called blackboard um, also moodle rooms um, you may know moodle um, it lear- it, an open source learning management uh, system provider and moodle rooms is a was a um, Service provider around the around the Moodle platform, um, again to make learning management and interaction between educators and students uh, more effective, more digital, uh, more compelling. Again, that was sold to to, Black, to Blackboard as well. Oh. And, uh, and and now um, I, I work as an advisor um, for a company called uh, Beable, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. But I, I just wanted to, to simply answer the question that that the the mission and margin. Um, definitely are a big part of my career and they definitely coincide. Are you an education leader, the leader of an ed tech company, or a member of an organization supporting education? We continue to hear from leaders like you who have a story to tell, a message to share, or an important initiative that needs greater awareness. Three years ago, that's exactly what we heard from Doug Roberts the CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation when he approached SWPR Group. This led to the launch of a groundbreaking new award that was unlike any other in EdTech. The Soup's Choice Awards, judged exclusively by K-12 superintendents, set IEI on a path to market dominance, increasing vendor partners and superintendent members by more than 30% year over year. Jamie Candy, the CEO of Edmentum, shared with SWPR Group, the EdTech company's desire to tell district success stories and to elevate the leaders behind their organization in a more thoughtful and strategic way. Throughout the past two years, SWPR Group has established consistent and regular media coverage, authored compelling op-eds, and secured interviews highlighting success stories while also inserting momentum into timely topics like AI with national reporters. At SWPR Group, we provide public relations, communication strategies, and thought leadership support for today's changemakers and the brands they champion. We work together with our clients to bring their mission to life by consistently delivering high-quality content, creative communication strategies, and transformational results. What story do you want to tell? Reach out to us using the link in the show notes or visit our website at swpr-group.com. Okay, and so as we talked about before, and as you know, my audience is a mix of education nonprofits, 
schools, ed tech startups, and think tanks. You mentioned this before, but do you think it's possible for a nonprofit organization to embrace this philosophy? I would say that it's absolutely possible. And I'd also say that it is mandatory. So, you know, I, I kind of got at this before, Sarah, but generating revenue and generating margin, and uh, however it's relevant to a given not-for-profit, so whether that's via sales or licenses or fundraising or, or, or uh, uh, building uh, stronger volunteer um, in-kind contribution networks, whatever that looks like, you know, that, that's really what, what, what unlocks the ability to invest, as I said before, to achieve impact at scale and to have a mission that makes a, not just makes a difference, but makes a truly meaningful difference because it, 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 it does have reach. It does have the ability to influence and affect change in a broader way. So I think that, that, that mandatory, um, it's got to be mandatory. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So if you're going to provide practical advice for shifting our mindset, because a lot of us, this might require a mindset shift to really think about how do I think about encompassing both a mission and a margin? What would you suggest for these individuals to really start doing that? So I mentioned uh, um, just a a minute ago um, some advisory work that I'm doing for for a company called um, Beable. It was uh, started by uh, an, an EdTech visionary, um, a very dynamic uh, woman named Saki Dodelson, who actually was the founder and CEO of, a, of, a, of Achieve 3000, which pioneered online differentiated learning going back close to 20 years. And uh, Saki has now launched um, her new mission with a margin um, in the form of Beable, which is uh, about life-ready literacy and about... Uh, uh, combining literacy acceleration, which has become even more necessary over the past um, eight months, given learning loss and and so many kids who are already behind in terms of their reading levels, falling further behind um, because of the uh, the disruption caused by uh, by COVID. And uh, you know, and 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 uh, Saki has always believed in mission with a margin, and because she's believed it, and she's she's been able to to be focused on each equally. She's been able to build um, uh, uh, companies, and now is doing so again with with Beable, that actually has has at its heart a vision to build literacy and build career development schools for millions of kids, and not just in the U.S. but around the world. And she knows she can't do that unless she's generating margin at the same time. So she's very astute in that regard. So. You know, she she functions um, uh, by virtue of vision and heart, but she's also very pragmatic and very scrappy about how she focuses on uh, margin in order to to achieve the mission. So, I want to try to answer this specifically for you because I know a lot of the people who are probably listening want to take away things that are actionable. Exactly. And so, the things that I that I would say, a good starting point is to think about increasing your visibility. So to let the world more broadly and consistently know what you do, know why you do it. So that's the purpose part. That's the mission part. You know, why do you do what you do for at your nonprofit? But know what you do specifically. And also um, let them know the urgency of the need that you meet. I don't think you can assume that people do. Um, and I, I think that, that being able to tell vivid stories about your impact and to 
um, inspire involvement, um, not just to um, think that it's going to happen magically, and to think commercially. So how can you tap into the sources? How can you tap into the resources? How can you tap into the constituencies that collectively create margin? I think that that those are very important um, things to consider and the very important touch points. And I'd also make the point that whether you know it or not, you have a brand or you should have a brand. And you're competing in an incredibly noisy world at a time of information overload and attention deficiency. So if you're not thinking about increasing visibility, if you're not thinking about storytelling in, in, in every way, shape, and form that you can, then I think that, um, that, that you won't be able to function in the capacity of driving both margin and mission, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Oh, that's such great advice. I love that you said, think about this commercially and think about the partners you can work with. There's so many organizations out there and partnerships you can establish as a, not, a nonprofit or even a for-profit organization, even ed tech companies. I'm working with an ed tech company now, and we've established partnerships with many other companies to help elevate, elevate our profile. So very, very good point. And I love that you also said it's not necessarily obvious that you it's an urgent need. So it, it sometimes feels like you're repeating yourself over and over, but you have to do that. You, you have, have to, to do, you, you have to do it, Sarah. And, and I'll, I'll right. tell you what, you know, there are a lot of urgent needs in the world and, um, yes. you know, you, you hate to bring this down to uh, a competitive level because that certainly doesn't feel altruistic, but it's competitive. Um, it's competitive just to get people's attention, as I said, but it's also competitive because there are, there are a lot, a lot of urgent needs, and 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 you have to make sure that your burning platform is apparent to people, and not take it for granted that it is. Yes, excellent advice. And is there any other practical advice that we should consider? Uh, anything else that my listeners can do? There is. There's a lot. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> there's an please, there's please a, Now I could go on for hours, and I promise I won't. I promise. Um, so. I was just thinking about our conversation earl- that we're going to have now. I was thinking about it earlier today, and um, I actually I had a discussion um, yesterday with uh, 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 someone uh, at a senior level at a at an elite university, um, and what that university is doing in the interest of its endowment and so on is to drive fundraising, and the particular urgency around driving fundraising has to do with financial aid. So um, this is an elite university, so you think financial aid is, is maybe less important than at a lot of other places. But what he was expressing is that more kids from more socioeconomic levels need more aid than they ever have in the history of the university. And I think the reasons for that are pretty obvious. And so what they're thinking about right now is how do they bring innovation into their not-for-profit world? How do they make sure that they um, articulate their relevance to the world and how they articulate their future vision for education, higher education in this case, to the world. And how do they bring these commercial best practices um, sensitively and appropriately into their academic not-for-profit world in order to achieve these big objectives, needs-based objectives that they have? And and so it's a fascinating conversation. And, and, um, you know, a few things um, kind of uh, came out of that for me and in, in thinking about this conversation. So one is, and this is going to sound obvious, but it, I really don't think it is. 
Be clear about your purpose. Be clear about your why. To everyone within your organization, to everyone that you partner with, to everyone who may volunteer, to your whole ecosystem, uh, to people who may donate to it, to people who may be um, uh, involved with you in some other kind of revenue-generating capacity, you can't be too clear about your purpose. And and as I said this before, you you can't assume that people are just going to know it. Um, You have to be you have to be very, very purposeful about articulating your purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one. Um, I'd also say, and this is going to sound really marketing-y, marketing-y. I think I just mm-hmm. made that word up. But um, be clear about your positioning and your differentiation. Um, and so, you know, that that's what we as an agency do with our clients. And Sarah, I'm sure you do that with 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 people that you work with. But, you know, again, that clarity around that is is very useful internally. It gives you a true north to aspire to, and it makes sure that you don't get distracted. Easy to get distracted. There are a lot of good reasons to get distracted, but you got to stay focused. Um, but then in terms of being able to articulate a value proposition to all of your stakeholders, the, 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 the more distinct, the greater clarity that you do that with, the more effective you're going to be. So that's another area. Third area is um, this notion of commercial best practices um, and really inculcating it in your organization. And so I I believe that in addition to commercial best practices, to to have an entrepreneurial mindset is important. So um, your vision, um, is everyone in the organization 100% on the same page? Um, If not, you have to get there um, to to have mission and margin. Um, I think that that um, focus, so discipline, accountability throughout the organization. And um, my my uh, my wife, my wife actually um, is a uh, uh, is is a uh, uh, a volunteer and now a, a part time employee of a of a local not for profit who's uh, very famous, um, part of a national not for profit. I will not name names, um, but the lack of focus and the lack of discipline um, is really affecting their ability to um, to deliver their mission. I, I see it every day there, and and it's it's uh, they, they they lack the focus. They actually lack the vision, and so if they had it, they'd be able to do a lot more good for a lot more people. I would also say that a couple more things: um, cohesive and healthy leadership cohesive leadership that kind of goes along with vision. And this is a, may seem a little bit left field, but data, you know, do you, do you, do you, uh, do you have control of your data, data, you know, and I'm not just talking about data from the standpoint of, you know, do you have lists of members and do you have lists of, of constituents and so on, but do you know what works and doesn't work? Um, can you track that and can you learn from it and get better as a result of it? So I think the, these are all things that I would say, you know, an entrepreneurial mindset, um, making sure that, that that you have the level of discipline and focus and clarity and vision are great enablers. So, no, that's a great list. I think that's fantastic. And that will be something people can apply right away. I love that. Great advice, Tom. Reference those. So that's fantastic. You know, there, there's one more that I, I, I left out, Sarah, that um, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you just, you know, if you a bonus. Yeah. So the, 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 the one other, um, um, I think, uh, focal point um, that, that 
it, it goes beyond having a, a commercial and entrepreneurial mindset. But you know, I, I was talking before about you know, uh, understanding that you are a brand that competes with other brands. Um, but making sure that you you do what you can do and should do to build brand awareness and engagement. And so, you know, whether that's uh, through digital channels, um, social, which is part of digital, but it's kind of its own thing. Um, something that Sarah, you're really great at, but um, storytelling in the form of content and blogs and, and, and other forms of content. But, you know, I, I think that, that um, if, if you do that and you make the time to do it, because a lot of not-for-profits, They'll struggle for time, and they'll struggle to find the 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 uh, uh, struggle to find the bandwidth to uh, to do that kind of brand building. You have to do it, um, and if you do it, the dividends are incredible. So I would just add that to my list. That's such a good final addition. I would add add to that. You know, people are intimidated by storytelling. Like, oh my gosh, we have to have this perfect story, and I don't know how we're going to pull this together. It, it is not complicated. It does not have to be complicated. It can be a couple of happy customers or clients of yours, and you get their testimonial, how they first uh, discovered you, why they decided to work with you, and how it's going well. And that there you have a story. And if you can pull in some emotional elements, that will tie it all together. Totally. I could not agree more. And the stories exist. You know, they're, they're, they're all there already. You just have to spend a little time to extract them out. And uh, as you said, it, it, it's not hard. And then once you start doing it, it's kind of like potato chips. You just want to keep doing it. I know. And people respond to stories. People love stories. It comes back to we're all human and we want to connect with other people, especially right now. Especially right virtual, now. virtual world. Yes. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so glad we had a chance to chat today. I'm so excited you were able to join us. Is there anything else you want to add? I think, or we can just wrap this up. Uh, no, that, 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 I think, uh, I think I've, I've, uh, I've, I've, I've said my piece and I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I always enjoy my conversations with you. And I, I think that the work you're doing with this blog and your other work, um, this podcast, I should say, and your other work is, is fabulous. So, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan, so um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, I love how passionate you are about this topic and marketing in general. It's very inspiring. Thank you. So we're very happy we were able to have you. I think everyone who listened today is going to be able to go back and implement some of these strategies right away, which is the goal for these podcasts. So I love that we had you on. So it's a powerful way to look at business especially in the education sector, is really thinking about that mission with a margin and focusing on that. So thank you again. And Build Momentum listeners, don't forget to grab my free guide to creating a killer case study, even if you don't have data. We talked about today how important case studies and stories are. I break it out for you. It's very easy. Grab that at casestudies.swpr-group.com. That's casestudies.swpr-group.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and write us a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to. We will be back with another episode of Build Momentum next week. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a great one.